Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, that dang old internet, man, you just go on there and point and click it and then talk about www.com. For some reason or another, you sound a little taller on radio. Well, for my money, he's got all the facial characteristics of a criminal. Now, here's your host, that gravy soppin', crappie floppin', stump jumpin', bobble thumpin', gun totin', mater growin' son of a gun, the backwoods Baptist himself, Pastor Harold Smith. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, welcome. Come on in. You're at the Backwoods Baptist Podcast. Pull yourself up a chair, sit down, let me talk at you for a minute. We have got a really good topic today because it's something that I struggled with personally for quite some time. And I'm hoping today that by sharing some of my journey through this process, you don't have to stay on this road as long as I did. So we're going to talk about individuality. Yes. And I know that's almost like a bad word. Everybody's supposed to look the same. We should all have the same beard, same color clothes, but no, it's not true. The Lord actually is glorified by us all being individuals. Before we get into today's topic, let me just talk a little bit about being a backwoods Baptist. You know, people tune in, well, what is a backwoods Baptist? Well, what does that even mean? Well, Baptists, you know, they were kind of the religion of the pioneers is, is Americans went West, Baptists went with them, Methodists would have always been in there. And those early backwoods Baptists, you know, they were working a job, they were hunting, they were clearing land, they were pastoring a church, some of them two, three, four churches. And that zeal, that evangelistic zeal, that zeal to to, to plant churches, to spread the word of God, to to go where the people were, and um, we've lost that. We, we've kind of become urban Baptists. Everybody's online, everybody's uh, everything's happening on Twitter and we have to get up every morning and turn on Twitter to figure out what we're supposed to be upset about. But back in the backwoods, news traveled slow and the word of God was king. And we just focused on the Lord and his church. And I wish we'd get back to that as Baptists. Plus I live in the backwoods of Arkansas, but you too may be a backwoods Baptist. If you're above ground pool deck doubles as a deer blind in the winter. Yeah, that's right. I've got a friend in Texas he sent me a picture of his uh, his deck by his above ground pool, and his kids had stretched camo netting across it to hide them from the deer. And they got there, they're watching the back pastor looking for deer. And that's that's backwoods Baptist all the way right there. There's no doubt about it. Anyways, thank you guys for joining. It is hunting season. It's wrapping up. This is this is the last weekend of the regular gun deer season here in Arkansas, and. I killed a pretty big 10 point during muzzleloader season, but since gun season has opened, I've pulled the trigger three times and killed three coyotes. And that, that's it. That's all I've shot. And, um, my neighbor, he was calling me the other day. He said, Hey, Harold, he said, have you killed, have you killed any deer? And I said, no, I, I've, I've shot three coyotes. And he said, well, that's just like you uh, doing the Lord's work when you should have been hunting implying that every time we get rid of a coyote, it's a good thing. And I agree. It is a good thing. They need to go. Anyways, let me give you my personal story. And I want to encourage you to be you, you be you. Let's say it that way. I remember, uh, when I was the pastor at West park Baptist in Ozark, I had a good friend there, uh, Michael, and I was kidding around with him, trying to get him to do something. 
And I was like, uh, Hey, I'll do it. If you'll do it. And he just said, you be you, <laughs> you go do it. I'm not going with you. And that, that phrase you be you has kind of stuck with me. And so I want to give us insight into the need for individuality. Now, when we think of individuality, most preachers would say, that's a bad thing. We want everybody to be the same. We've got this Bible standard and everybody needs to look the same. And if we need to show unity and solidarity, and, and I agree and agree and agree, but if you don't draw a line in here and say, there's no biblical ground to go any further than this, this is not a mandate. This is just your opinion. That's how we ended up with Pharisees in the time of Christ. I was just reading in my my uh, daily Bible reading this morning, and I was in Mark, in the first uh, three, four, five chapters of Mark there, the Lord's talking about their traditions, washing hands. And I, look, you could go back and, and see what God told uh, Aaron and Moses about washing in, in Leviticus. I mean, they were to wash their hands if they touched something unclean. They were to wash their body if they'd have been healed, if they were in a house that had a plague, they were to wash their clothes. So washing's a good thing. The Bible prescribes it. But over time, the Pharisees took what was a good thing and prescribed for a specific purpose and said, well, if it's good here, we should do it everywhere. And that's where we are in Baptist churches today. There's a whole lot of prescribed things that everybody ought to be doing, but there's no biblical command for everyone to do it. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about individual liberty. I want to talk about insight into being an individual. I was brought up and confessed faith in Christ and baptized in the ABA, the American Baptist Association of Churches, uh, in Greenwood, Arkansas, at Liberty Baptist Church. That's the church my, my parents were youth leaders in. My dad was a deacon and and as a, as a child, I walked down the red carpet aisle and told Luther Oglesby that I'd believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and wanted to be saved. And they filled the baptistry up the next Sunday and baptized me. That was my beginning in, in denominational church. And the ABA wouldn't call themselves the denomination, but that's where I began, in the Missionary Baptist Church. Then my parents, when I was in the seventh grade, having some difficulties with things going on in the church and attitudes, what was important. We moved from there to the first Baptist church, and this was a Southern Baptist church. So things were different. And so from the seventh grade forward, I was a Southern Baptist because when my parents moved there, I moved my letter there with them. And I grew up in the Southern Baptist church. And so I didn't become a preacher until I was 30 years old. And I was attending an, another Southern Baptist church. I'd gotten married. I live in a different town, different county. And I become a preacher and I surrendered to preach as a Southern Baptist. And all of my, my early days of pastoring were in Southern Baptist churches. And that was all I knew. But what I quickly learned when I became a pastor was that everything in the Southern Baptist convention, if you really started looking Closely, it didn't look like it should. I always say this. I've said this for years. The Southern Baptist Convention is kind of like an Elvis impersonator. Everybody's seen an Elvis impersonator. And from a distance, they look like Elvis, and they kind of sound like Elvis. And as long as you don't look too close or really pay much attention, 
that man, that guy's pretty good. But then when you get up there close to him, he don't look anything like Elvis. You know, he's, he's like Italian or something, you know, he, he's, he, he's got a big old hook nose and he, he doesn't look anything like Elvis. And when you really start listening, you're like, he don't, this don't sound like peace in the Valley to me. This, this is not CC Ryder. Uh, th this is not in the ghetto. This, this sounds awful. The Southern Baptist Convention's the same way. As long as you just sit in the pew and your pastor don't ever really tell you what's going on and say we're the largest Baptist denomination, we got missionaries all over the world, no greater mission agency than the, the cooperative program. As long as that's all you hear, you think you're the greatest. But if you ever pull back the curtain and look beyond the meat counter back where the sausage is made, that's what I did. I looked behind the meat counter. I, I went back where the sausage was made. I saw the hierarchy in the Southern Baptist Convention, and I, I just couldn't take it. I was like, this is not right. I saw some decisions being made. I saw some missions being supported. I saw money going to things that I was actually preaching against. Our church was was openly opposed to, and, and we didn't really even understand, but we were funding it. I won't get into all that, but a long time ago, I, I left the Southern Baptist Convention. I and the church I pastored, we all voted unanimously. We would no longer be a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. This was about 2009. And during this time, maybe 2008, 2008, 2009, we left our local association. We left the convention. And, and I said right then, I was like, you know what? We've got to find another group to join. We've got to find a we got to find our niche. We we can't just be individuals. We we got to we got to be a part of something. And so I began to look for pastors that believe like me. And and you know by God's kind providence, I got the Sword of the Lord newspaper sent to my desk twice a week, whether I, or twice a month, whether I wanted it or not. <laughs> yeah. If you know anything about the Sword of the Lord, it is the the newspaper of the Independent Fundamental Baptist. And I didn't know anything about them. I mean, I didn't even have the internet, but I'm telling you, I didn't know what was happening in the world. I had a, I had a Bible and I had like two or three MacArthur commentaries and that was it. It was all I had in the world. I mean, I, I literally had nothing. And somehow, you know, I prepared sermons and began preaching through the Bible with, with just that. But this sort of the Lord newspaper, they always touted themselves as being old time religion. And I said, yeah, that's me. I'm old-timey. I'm, I'm not what they are today. I'm what they used to be. So I saw in there that they were advertising a conference in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, the headquarters of the Sword of the Lord at Franklin Road Baptist Church, which was kind of like the poster church for the Sword of the Lord. That's where their, their newspaper editor um, went. And so I was like, uh, yeah, that's my group there. So I go trucking out there to Murfreesboro. And uh, – Here's the funny thing about it. I went out there looking for a group to join. And when I pulled the curtain back and looked, looked behind the meat counter where the sausage was made, <clears throat> I was like, no, nah, this ain't my group. No, these guys say they're old timey, but their idea of old timey is 1950. My idea of old timey is like 1850. You know, I, I'm a little older than what they are. And so, I was like, no, this is not my group. And they would say things. And, and, and most of it, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there would be that one thing I'd be like, mm, that's not right. The Bible doesn't require that. You're mandating something that's not really 
required of scripture. And so I came home from Murfreesboro and I visited a few churches out there and I came home and I said, the sword of the Lord crowd ain't my crowd. Uh, that, that's not my group. So um, I got a flyer in the mail. I got the internet. And when I got the internet, I, I quickly discovered, man, Reformed Baptist is where it's at. These guys is old timey. They 1689. They got that tattooed on their, their own. They wear t-shirts that say 1689 on it. These are old timey. So I went trucking down to Mobile, Alabama when Stephen Lawson was the pastor down there. And I went to an expositors conference, not, not the conference he does now where he teaches you how to break down scripture and teaches you to preach expositorily. But back then he just called it the expositors conference and it'd be him and some other big name reform guy that year. It was RC Sproul. And I said, yeah, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to see, I'm going to see the reform guys. This, this is my group. We're old timey. And so I went down there. It's not my group. It's kind of like what I said before. Uh, there was a lot of things on the front end I agreed with. There were a lot of principles I agreed with. There were a lot of things going on. And I was like, man, this, this fixes a lot of the problems that I saw in the IFB. This fixes a lot of problems that I saw in the, in the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. But then there were some other problems in there that I was like, that's not, that's not Bible. That's just your tradition. You don't have any biblical, you have no mandate to require that you're making up another set of rules. And so here we go again. I just never fit in. And I came home from there and I was dejected. I felt like a, a fish out of water. I felt like a, a man without a country. Um, I just felt isolated and alone and, and there was no group for me. And I prayed, Lord, help me find my group. And I'm not going to say God audibly spoke to me and thundered back from heaven, what I'm about to tell you, but it became apparent through a number of, uh, through Bible reading, through prayer, through providence. I wasn't meant to fit in any of those groups. God didn't want me out of the SBC and, into the uh, the IFB or into the Reformed Baptist movement or into this movement. He said, Harold, I want you to be you. And I said, well, Lord, I need friends in the ministry. I'm just a young guy with no experience in, in pastor. And I mean, I've been a pastor like three years, no education, no formal education of any kind, no college, no seminary a library that wouldn't fill this middle shelf of my bookshelf up behind me. I didn't have anything. I was like, I need people. And God said, fine, you can have fellowship. And yeah, you can find missionaries and you can work together. But listen, this kind of formal demand on you is not where you are right now. And so what happened, what came out of that was I just began to get pastors that I knew together. And I said, we ought to get together and, and have breakfast once a month. And so that's what we did. And I would fix breakfast and another brother would fix coffee. And I invited all my friends to come get together. And so we had some Southern Baptist and some missionary Baptist and some reform Baptist and, and some IFB guys. And we all kind of got together, but, but we loved each other and we had a lot in common that lasted for a few years. And we started a conference at our church at the church I pastored. And it was geared towards getting preachers together and having this fellowship and relationship that we needed. The problem was it kept 
coming back to being divided on denominational lines. The Southern Baptist guys couldn't accept the IFB guys and the Reformed Baptists couldn't accept the Missionary Baptists. And there were all these schisms. And really the only, the only glue holding all these together was me. And I was, I was put out. I was trying to balance all these guys and bring them in. And so we just kind of left that alone and let all that go. And I just learned to be me. I quit trying to be Reformed Baptist to please my Reformed Baptist friends. I quit trying to be Southern Baptist. Well, I, I had no interest in that. I, I just quit these things. I'm like, look, I'm Harold Smith. I'm a backwoods Baptist. We're not a denomination. I work with a bunch of different groups. And you know what I discovered? I was more effective in the ministry, in my own church and in other churches, just being me. Now, I say all that, but let me also say, there is some benefit to being in a larger group. The last couple of churches I've done my interim ministry in, the one I'm currently in now, are all affiliated with the Baptist Missionary Association of America. And here's a group I've looked behind the curtain and I still really like. And the BMA is a group that kind of solves a lot of the problems that I saw in other groups, but here's how it does it. It does it by having a general doctrinal statement that's not like a dictionary. It's not like the 1689. They don't square your allegiance to it, but they're not like Southern Baptists who have a doctrinal statement that they never, never reference and really doesn't matter. The BMA, in my opinion, is a good balance of having enough doctrine to, to, to have unity but having enough liberty so that people can work together and function together. So what I'm advocating is whether you're a pastor, whether you're in the pew, uh, it, it doesn't matter. I'm advocating that you should get comfortable being you. You be you. You don't have to go along with these, these statements and these documents that you don't agree with. You don't have to go along with these practices just to be friends with somebody. Now, let me, let me caution you a little bit on that. You being you and, and you having liberty is not a license to quit going to church. Well, there's no church just like me. That's right, because churches are made up of more than just one. They can be as small as two or three, according to Jesus. And our Reformed Baptist friends would say, well, they have to have a plurality of elders to be happy. So, so that church of three has two elders. <laughs> That's crazy. But no, what I'm getting at is this. You being you is not a license to say, well, I'm not going to that church because I, I can't be me. No, it's liberty. You be you, you're going to have to go to church with some people that probably d disagree on some things. And depending on how many churches there are in your area and where you live, you may have to put up with a lot of stuff you don't believe, but you're commanded to be in a body. We've got a Bible verse for that. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but all the more as you see the day approaching. So you have to go to church. You just need to find the church closest to you. You be you is not a license to be obstinate. It's not a license to be argumentative. It's not a license, well, I believe this and everybody else is wrong. No, that's not what I'm advocating. 
I believe differently than 99% of my friends. I'm still their friend. I still love them. I still work with them. I still invite them to preach, even though I don't agree with them. Because you be you doesn't mean that I'm, I can be obstinate and argumentative and constantly online, just pow, 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 pow. Everybody's wrong but me. Everybody's wrong but me. And those kind of guys are the world's worst. They don't understand liberty. All they understand is legalism. You be you. And my encouragement to you to be individual is not licensed for you to reject scripture. Not a license. If the Bible clearly says it, do it. If the Bible clearly says it, do it. But here's the problem that we have. Most of these groups are not arguing over what the Bible clearly says. They're arguing over their traditions. They're arguing over their preferences. Liberty that I'm talking about and the individuality that I'm pleading for is really liberty to break away from legalism. And I've done this throughout my whole ministry. A lot of the circles I ran in early on, all of the pastors were expected to wear a tie. I didn't. I can only think of two times that I wore a tie. And I wore them into the pulpit. I mean, I, I started wearing a tie when the IFB guys were my friends. I was like, I got to be like these guys. They say you wear a tie if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You wear a white shirt because you called to preach. You know, I was doing all this stuff. When I broke the bondage of legalism, I quit wearing a tie. So I preached for a brother down in Georgia. And he's like, man, my people just wouldn't listen to you if you didn't wear a tie. So against my better judgment, I preached in this conference two times. Against my better judgment, I walked into his pulpit with a tie. But, man, it was choking me. I, I just felt so uncomfortable. I said, would it be okay if I took this tie off? Man, they shouted and hollered and swung from the rooftops. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to preach. Take your tie off. So that's what I did. The two times I preached there, I wore a tie in the pulpit, asked permission to take it off, took it right off and preached. You see, you being you is going to cost you. There's a lot of places that people would say, Harold, if you'd wear a tie, you could preach here. I'm sorry, Adam. I'm not looking to wear a uniform to preach. Lord provides me plenty of opportunities, and I don't have to go beyond his word to find places to preach his word. You see, the liberty, the individuality I'm talking about, nowhere in the Bible does it mandate wearing a tie. So break that bondage. It's legalism. It tells you to dress modestly. Don't walk up there in a set of Daisy Dukes and a tank top. Dress modestly. You see, the liberty I'm talking about is a breakaway from cronyism. And boy, every one of these groups I've talked about is engrossed in cronyism. Whether it's the SBC, the IFB, or the, the Reformed Baptist, they all have their cronies. They all have their hierarchy that people want to be like that are on the pedestal that 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 headline their big mega conferences. And then down here is everybody that's like trying to imitate and duplicate what the top is doing. You see this in G3. You see this in the uh, Sword of the Lord Conference. And you see this in the Southern Baptist Convention all the time, all the time. It, it, is, it is rampant. And if you will be you, you won't follow those guys. I mean, you'll follow them where they're right. You'll appreciate them for who they are. 
but what we running into is people all getting the same haircut. We've got people all wearing the same clothes. We got people all using the same illustrations. I mean, for crying out loud, the Southern Baptists are all using the same sermon, <laughs> even telling the same illustrations. Why? Because they got cronyism and because the, they don't believe in individuality and they're all trying to duplicate somebody else. Reformed Baptists are the absolute world's worst. Look at any of their big mega conferences. Look at the lines that people set in and stand in to shake someone's hand. They're crying out loud. They follow them around like they're movie stars or singers or, or athletes. Give me a break. That's ridiculous. You be you. Appreciate them for who they are, and then you go be you. This kind of liberty that I'm talking about will break you from legalism, it'll break you from cronyism, and it'll break you from traditionalism. There are a lot of traditions I like. I like a piano in the worship service. I like singing hymns. But being an individual means that I can apply those that I like. I can apply those if I have influence. I can make, if someone says, Harold, what do you want to do? I can stand up and say. But there's just as hard a tradition that we're not going to sing a hymn. There's just as hard a tradition that we're not going to have a piano. We're going to have drums and guitars, maybe a keyboard, but it ain't going to sound nothing like a piano. You've got all this other side. So if someone says, Harold, what do you want? I want to sing a hymn with a piano. That's my tradition. But I can also break away from traditions like wearing a tie. I can break away from traditions like, you know, we have to take up a, a Sunday school or a, a birthday offering before the service starts once a month. All that kind of stuff can be broken. Why? Because we have individual liberty. We don't have to participate. We don't have to go along with what the previous pastor said. We don't have to do all these little trivial things. Now, listen, we need to be in a in a, in a local church. We don't need to be obstinate and causing problems and arguing over our disagreements. And we don't have grounds to reject the direct commands of Scripture. But Scripture doesn't tell us what kind of instrument to play with our music. It doesn't even tell us what kind of songs to sing specifically in our worship services. Yet, when we talk about traditions, the Reformed Baptists have their regulative principle of worship, and some of them take it to the point that they've got, you can't sing two hymns back to back. There has to be a time of reflection and response in between hymns. I'm sorry, sir. That's hogwash. You ain't going to find that in the pages of the Bible. There's no, there's no call for that. How, why in the world did they pay singers to sing while they built the temple in the wall and oh, stop, stop, stop singing. We've got to contemplate. David had singers when they moved the tabernacle. They sang, sing, crying out loud. If you're going to go to the Old Testament, grab all of it. And none of your stuff makes sense. You see, individuality allows you the ability to break away from legalism, from cronyism, and from traditionism. Buck the system. You don't have to do that. What I'm saying is you don't have to swallow stuff that you don't think is right in order to fit in the club. We've got too many preachers that are going along to get along. 
and they're doing things that, that is against their conscience. And if there's one doctrine that Baptists have had themselves tied to the whipping post for, it is liberty of conscience, and the modern-day Baptists have lost it for the sake of legalism, cronyism, and traditionism. We believe in the liberty of conscience. We shouldn't force a man to do something against his conscience unless Scripture says this is how you do it. So why does it matter? Why am I asking you to be an individual? Preacher, why am I asking you to be your own person? I'm asking you because we have enough of them. We have enough of the people you're trying to imitate. We have enough of the people you're trying to please. We have enough of the people that are promoting the tradition that you're not okay with. They already exist. Their tribe's already increased. You be you, preacher. I don't, I don't care that they told you you have to preach a certain way and you have to have a, so many points and you have to have expositional and you can't have topical and you can't do this. And those same guys don't even know what Charles Spurgeon preached. You can't preach a passage out of context, yet all their great preachers did. It's a double standard. Quit listening to their standard, preacher. You be you. We need a preacher like you. Why? Because God gave you a unique set of gifts that apply to you. He gave you a unique uh, understanding that applies to you. He gave you a unique experience growing up. You're coming from a different background. You had different parents than I had. You had a different education than I had. Why would you try to imitate me? And for crying out loud, why would I try to imitate you? God brought us down this unique path. Go read the prophets. They're not all cookie cutters of each other. I like Amos. That old truth talker from Tekoa, a keeper, a, a shepherd, a gatherer of sycamore fruit. He said, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. He said, I'm just a common guy. Why would we try to make him like someone else? He's Amos. Elijah is Elijah. Isaiah is Isaiah, not Jeremiah. We see this diversity. Look at the apostles. Look at their writings. Their writings are drastically different. Peter and John wrote on different topics with different approaches. And you know what? I like them both. But you know how pitiful John would be if he tried to sound like Peter? You know how pitiful Paul would be if he tried to sound like Matthew? God saved a plurality of people with different perspectives, different levels of education, different backgrounds, different personalities, and he didn't say all of you be exactly alike. He said there's room for liberty and that you be different. It's only one you. Why don't you be you? Now, there again, not a call for you not to go to church because there's no church exactly like you. Put your differences aside. Focus on the fundamentals. You find one that preaches a biblical gospel, you find one that's that's close to what you believe about other things in Scripture, join it. That liberty that you have not to do things against your conscience is also liberty to endure them that you disagree with. But be you. Quit 
quit doing things against your conscience in order to fit in with a group of people that you disagree with. You be you. Don't, don't, don't isolate yourself. You, you'll find friends. When I pulled out of these groups and I was, I was individual. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't affiliated with any particular denomination. I had more friends. I had more fellowship. We had more, more sound missionaries approaching our church, looking for support than I could ever remember. Now that I'm affiliated with the BMA, the BMA of Arkansas, the BMA of America, I'm finding a whole nother set of friends. But you know what I'm finding? I don't have to contradict my conscience to fellowship with these guys. If you can find a group that doesn't violate your conscience, join them. Join them. Be a part of them. But when you get there, don't start imitating them. Don't start picking up all the stuff that you don't have a biblical basis for. You be you. We need more individuals. The Amish are not converting America by, by being every one of them alike. You have influence where you are. You be you. You use your unique gifts, whether you're the pastor, whether you're in the church. Maybe you're gifted to sing. Maybe you're gifted to teach Sunday school. Maybe you don't have a lot of spiritual gifts, but you've got time and you can clean the church. You can mow the churchyard. Maybe what you have is your electrician. You can fix the wiring in the church. You be you. Don't try to be something that's not you. Don't put on a show. Don't, don't pretend to be something you're not. You just be you. God's got a plan for you. He's made you this way so he can use you in this purpose. I've gone over my time. You be you. Be, be who God called you to be and quit swallowing stuff you disagree with. Quit enduring uh, a bunch of legalistic requirements on you. Follow the Bible, love the brethren, and be who you are. And listen, if you will apply basic principles of Christianity in which you love your neighbor more than you love yourself, you, 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 you're humble, you read your Bible and pray regularly, then here's what will happen. You'll find strength and boldness to be who you really are, and your friends will love you even though you're different because they won't just look at you as somebody that's always arguing about how your differences are better than their deficiencies. They'll look at you and love you because they'll see you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ with faith enough to follow him and follow him under the dictates of your conscience with an open Bible. That's what Baptists in the backwoods used to be. That's what Baptists today need to be. Not 1950s and not 1650s, somewhere in between. That's where you'll find the Backwoods Baptist. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you on the next podcast.